We are excited to introduce to you Prophetic Edge, where we are going to be digging into the revelation of God's Word and what it looks like to walk in victory through the Word of God. Whenever God is ready to move in Scripture and bring victory to people, He always brings a fresh edge of revelation. talk about this next session of Apprehending the Apostolic. I'm so thrilled because this is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Now, let's talk about it. I'd said we were going to touch on where did this power come from? How did God give this grace to men? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, now we talked about it last time, I alluded to it, but I didn't go into depth. So let's go into depth. Okay. The Bible says, and I'm going to be talking about this from just going from the message version just for a moment. That does not mean that you should look, excuse me, that does not mean that you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. The text for this is, he climbed the high mountain. He captured the enemy and seized all the plunder. He handed it all out in gifts to the people. Is it not true that the one who climbed up also climbed down to the valley of earth? I love this version. And the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up to the highest of heavens. He handed out gifts above and below. He filled the heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher, to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. The Bible says, he gave to each gifts. Now, he that ascended is also he that descended. So let's just talk for a moment. Where did this come from? You know what happened on the marvelous day that Jesus died. I know you do. If you are a believer, you've heard this story. Every Easter, you celebrate this. But I want you to go on a journey with me. Jesus is hanging upon the cross and he is in the midst of dying. There at the place called Calvary shall be the justification and the redemption of all mankind. His blood is dripping to the ground. He is in agony, hanging in the midst of the heavens and the earth. His simple cries, the lamb, which is a man and the lion, who is wrapped up in flesh. He is suffering. Trauma and drama and pain have surrounded him and circled him. Family has left him. Friends have denied him. And he hangs in the midst of the heavens. And Jesus is dying. This is the worst day of mankind and yet the greatest day of the church. Something is ending and something is beginning. And yet Jesus is thinking beyond this. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. 
What did Jesus see that made him endure this pain? What did Jesus understand that made him go through the suffering? What have we overlooked and misunderstood that made us just focus on the power and the pain of the cross, but we didn't understand the process of the cross? While Jesus was on the cross, he began to see something. The Bible says, for he beheld sons and daughters. So what was the cross? The cross was not the end of his life. It was the doorway for us. He opened the door to heaven at the cross, but when he went into the grave, he opened the door to sonship. Ah, the cross is where he made you a believer. The grave is where he made you a son. So the Bible says, for he was the firstborn among many brethren. If he did not go into the grave, he could not have made us brethren. If he did not rise from the dead, he could not have been the firstborn. You are thousandth born, millionth born, billionth born, but there had to be a firstborn from the grave. So Jesus had to go into the grave itself to die. Why? Because since he was born of a woman without a man, he needed to come out of the womb of the earth. Oh, you need to hear what I'm trying to tell you. So he was born of the womb of the earth. He had to come out of the grave. The earth had to give him up. The Bible says he was first born among many brethren. So he had to be born again from death. He knew no sin. He could take on your sin, but how can you kill life? How do you stop breath from breathing? How do you stop life from living? How do you stop power from having power? He had to give up his own power in order to die. So Jesus on the cross chose to let death swallow him. And in the moment that death swallowed him, he swallowed death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? You have been swallowed up. He had to go into death so he could conquer death. So now let's back up and talk about where does his power come from? Mm. Jesus now on the cross, he conquers all sin. But he has to go into the grave. He has to enter into a place called death. Now remember this. He could not be a redeemer for us unless he was born of a woman. For you cannot redeem anything that is not of your own kind. You will give birth after your own kind. A man shall give birth to a man-child. A woman shall have a child in birth. An elephant will have an elephant. A lion shall have a lion. So to have redemption for mankind, he had to become a man. When he took on humankind, when he took on humanness, humanity, he then was able to stand as our kinsman redeemer. He could not redeem us from sin until he became one like us. So he was born of a woman like as we are. He then went into humanity, lived 30 years, sinless. In that sinless life, he then was able to access this word righteousness. Righteousness. 
The law of righteousness was then fulfilled in Christ because there was no sin in his nature, not of his birthing through Adam and not of his own choosing through life. So by yielding to the word and the will of God, he was walking in righteousness. By being born without sin, he was born in righteousness. And by dying without rebelling against God, he died in righteousness. Therefore, the first sinless righteous man since Adam existed. Therefore, on the cross, when he went into death, he entered death carrying your sin. He entered death wearing your sin. But he did not enter death called a sinner. Therefore, sin could not hold him hostage in the grave because sin was never his action nor his choice. It was his covering. He took on your sin and he who knew no sin became sin for us who knew no righteousness so that we who knew no righteousness might become the righteousness of God. So the sin of the world at the End of every year at the sacrifice, the hand of the priest was laid upon the ram, the lamb, the bullet. And when his hand was laid upon them, the sin of the camp was transferred to an animal. So therefore, when Jesus was on the cross, when he cried out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He cried out to the high priest. He cried out to the great hand of heaven. And the Holy Ghost laid the sin of the world on Jesus. Jesus then taking the sin of the world cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lamak sabachthani. It is finished. It's done. He gave up the ghost and died. What did he do? The moment the sin of the world came on him, he accepted the sin. He did not commit the sin. He accepted the sin. When he accepted the sin, sin sat on him. When the father looked from heaven, he saw sin on Jesus. That's why the sky went black, for the father could not see his son covered in sin. So the father sees sin on Christ, turns away his head. At that moment, Jesus gives up the ghost and dies. When he dies, hell has a party and says, we got him. The only righteous man he was born in righteousness. He walked in righteousness. He died in righteousness, but we got him at the end. At the last breath, sin is on him. We don't know what he did. We don't know how he messed up, but there's sin on him, so we got him. We can stop his power. But when he closed his eyes in death, he opened his eyes and suddenly in hell, and I shall lift up mine eyes in hell and cry out. When he lifted up his eyes in hell, he opened his mouth and he cried out, righteous. When he yelled righteous, for your righteousness shall speak for me. When he opened his mouth in hell, everything in hell bowed to him. At that point, the Bible says he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. So Jesus let sin cover him because it was illegal to go into hell unless you were a sinner. So Jesus obeying the law, he took sin upon him so he could have a key to get into hell. When he got into hell, he turned around and said, now that the door is open, I own you. So he took over hell, he took over death, he took over every realm of power, and now the Bible says, he that ascended 
also descended. Now, what does that mean? When he went into the lower parts of creation, hell itself, he took over by his authority and by his righteousness. When the perfect man entered into hell, hell had to bow because sin has no power unless you're a sinner. When he got into, hear me, the lamb is covered by the sin of the camp. But when the lamb is thrown into the fire, when it's given over as a sacrifice, it becomes a sweet smelling savor. So at the moment of death, the sin is forgiven and the lamb goes from being an offering for sin to a sweet smelling sacrifice. At the moment of Jesus' death, he went from being the man who was covered in our sin to becoming the righteous son of God. And at the moment of the righteous son of God stepping into hell, hell could not hold him. So what happened? He in all his power began to walk through hell. And as he walked through hell, as he walked through the nether regions, everything began to bow. Every demon bowed, every fear bowed, cancer bowed, death bowed, oppression bowed, fear bowed. So everything that had power over man now bowed down before the sinless man. This now is what happens when it says, and he who descended also ascended. So when Jesus rose up from the grave and he gave gifts unto man, he took this nature of victory that he had just received. Let me push this definition just one step further. The Bible says, whenever a king would come into a country, it says his train would be behind him. When you read the story of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, And I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, we talk about that, and we say it's the train of his robe, but you have to understand what the word of kings mean, or the law of kings. The law of kings is when a king would come into a territory, once he had conquered, he would have a trail following him or a train. Now we're so used to the train being fabric. When we would look at a king or a queen, we would say the length of their garment behind them, that is the train. But that is modern times, that is not ancient times. In ancient times, when you would enter into a city, your train would be all of the conquered kings would be chained together in their order of importance and they would be chained to your horse or to your chariot following you. So when you would enter into the territories announcing your victory, people would see five kings chained behind you and say, oh, he conquered five territories. You didn't have to explain to them what you had conquered. They either saw by the number of slaves or conquered rulers following you or by the number of heads or hands because some would come back with the heads of conquered kings in a bag. So the train that was following you was a revelation of your victory. It was all of the strong men you had conquered. Mm. Jesus, Isaiah saw the train of God filling the temple. Jesus has a train that followed him. What was the train? When Jesus was walking through hell, in his power and victory, cancer got down on its knees behind him and crawled in the dust. 
Fear and depression got down on its knees behind him and crawled in the dust. Oppression and racism got down on its knees behind him and followed him in the dust. Abuse and fear got down on its knees behind him and followed him. Diabetes and HIV got down on its knees behind him and crawled in the dust. And as he walked through hell, everything that had power over men bowed before him and said, Unto thee, O king, do we submit, for you have power above our power. So when Jesus got up from the grave and his train filled the temple, what was following him? Victory over every spiritual power and earth warfare that mankind could ever come to know. So when he then says, I have given gifts to men, Jesus took this fivefold victory took from his fivefold nature. He stripped his nature off of him before he went up into heaven at the ascension. And he took that nature and laid it on the church and said, upon apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, I shall lay my victory. And they shall institute my victory. So wherever there is cancer, they have power over cancer. And where there is oppression, they have power over oppression. Does every believer? Yes, every believer has power over the enemy. But he was giving to the church through fivefold ministry the ability to execute power on a governmental level. So that wherever we come together and we yield to the mind of God and the idea of God to walk together as believers, to walk together in unity to walk together for the edification and the growth of the church. He says, through this fivefold ascension nature, wherever they will operate together to unify, to strengthen, and to build, I will give them access to power that I received when I conquered the enemy myself so that whatever they face, they can conquer together. So where did this power for the fivefold come from? It came from Jesus. Where did he get it? He got it from God when he conquered the enemy. So why do we need it? We need it because the reason we don't see universal victory in areas, powerful victories that cover cities, is because we won't even come together to unite under the mind of God, the principles of God, and the word of God to see a victory that can win a city because we're still arguing and fighting about who should be in charge. Wherever we will do it God's way, we will have God's victory. Just my take on what happened, my view on what the Bible shows us, Jesus rose up with all power and he then turned around and gave gifts to men. May this help you see that what Jesus gave us is bigger than what we think grander than what we perceive and can change the world if we would walk it out together. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord help you see in a way you've never seen so that you may believe in a way you've never thought so you can have victories you've only dreamed of. Be blessed, I pray, in Jesus' name. This has been Prophetic Edge with Michael Dalton. 
If this episode has blessed you, please consider sharing it with someone. For more information, ministry dates, and to sow into the ministry, please visit yes-ministries.com. 